Welcome to River Life Podcasts. We're a church family embracing the Father's presence, releasing empowered people to declare and demonstrate Christ's kingdom. We trust that God would use what you hear today to bless and grow you so that you would be a blessing to those around you. For more information about River Life Baptist Church, go to riverlifechurch.org.au or find us on social media. Well, hello and uh, good morning. My name is Scott McKinnon. I'm the youth pastor here at River Life, and it is great to be able to, um, to speak to you guys this morning. Um, and uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Hey, um, have you guys ever been to Ikea? Surely you've been to Ikea. Perhaps maybe you've you're, you're moved into a new home or something, you need a new piece of furniture. Ikea is amazing. I, I mean, they're doing something right in Sweden because it is just incredible. You walk in and it is just this beautiful layout of all the furniture and you can go to one room to the next. And then you eventually go to the, uh, to the warehouse and if you're there, um, husband and wife or whatever, usually it's the husband trying to pull off this massive table into your arms to then put on a massive trolley to then wheel to your car, which probably won't fit in your car. But anyway, we try and figure it out. And then you get home. Now, when you get home, you have one of two options. You can pull out the instructions and carefully, one by one, follow the instructions, step one, step two, all the way through to the end. Or you can do what I would do and try and wing it. Anyone else winging it in the house? Yeah, okay, okay. Now, now winging it is fun and you think, I'm better than the instructions, I'm better than the, the Swiss, you know, Swiss people trying to make this thing. Uh, and that's all good until you get to the end and there's uh, the leftover pieces, or there's a missing piece. And you know, you've put the three centimeter dowel into the two centimeter dowel hole, and you've, uh, you've got missing pieces. <laughs> and um, as I'm looking around the Western church today, as I'm looking around the Australian church today, and perhaps even here at River Life, I think we've got a few missing pieces. I think we've got a few missing pieces in our midst of this beautiful, amazing church. And today, maybe as a youth pastor, I'm biased, but today I wanna talk about one missing piece that I think we we have here, and it is um, this connection with the next generation. And so we're gonna look at that today. As we look um, at this topic and a few other topics as we go, we're gonna go through the book of Ephesians in chapter two. So if you go Bibles, open up, to Ephesians chapter 2, page 118, um, and, uh, and no, that's my Bible, um, page 118, but Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to go through it today. And I, my hope is that today you will hear that it is God's grace that saves, it is God's grace that unites, and it is God's grace that builds all through Jesus Christ, the great peacemaker the Prince of Peace. So let's start off in Ephesians chapter 2 and 1 to 10. This is an incredible portion of Scripture. Perhaps you've read it before. Perhaps you've heard it before. Let me just summarise a little bit of it. It reads um, and it talks about how we were dead in transgressions and sin. Do we have it up here? Okay, amazing. Verse 4. Uh, Before we get there, dead in transgressions of sin, we were following the ways of the world. And then verse four, it says this, but because of his great love for us, God, 
who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ. He seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming age He may show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God not by works, so that no one may boast. Hey, I just wanted to read that out to remind you perhaps of what Jesus has done in your life. Previously, before Christ, all these things were true of you. Dead in transgressions and sin, following the ways of the world, following the ruler of the kingdom of the air, that is, that is Satan, the enemy, gratifying the desires of your flesh, deserving of wrath. But because of Christ, listen to this incredible list. And would this just encourage you this morning? Would this just build you up this morning? You were made alive. He showed great love for you. He was rich in mercy, rich in mercy, not just sort of a baseline, you know, sort of short pockets, uh, short hands to long pockets, but rich. By grace, you've been saved. You were raised up with Christ. Now you are seated with Him in the heavenly places. And this is all because of the incomparable riches of His grace. Now, these things might seem familiar. These, seem, these things might seem uh, sort of basic, perhaps, because you're like, oh, that was me, you know, 30 years ago when I came to faith. But would we not, par- would we not just sort of go over this basic sort of foundation to our faith? You know, as we look and as we hear about 53 people professing their faith publicly and then becoming baptized in this tank over the last three weeks. How incredible is that? That is the Lord doing this saving work and now in a public way that they would be able to express that. And I wanted to just bring that up and start there and just ask this simple question. What is your testimony? What is your story of coming to faith? What has Jesus done in your life? Because for many people, it is exactly like this passage. The the lights were out. It was all dark. And like that, in a switch, God turned on the light and you could see. And you could see Christ. And uh, I love that about so many people's testimonies, so many people's stories, you know, radical transformation. But I look at that in this passage, and I can agree that, yes, I'm, I'm a part of that. But also, I've got a different story, and I, I, for many, many years, thought my story was not as powerful or as good. Because I grew up in this church, and through kids, through youth, through sort of into my young adult years, God seems to have always been there. And yes, I've made commitments and and devoted my time and my life to Him. 
But I was reading my, my grandfather-in-law's autobiography, Bev Hodgson, some of you guys know him. And I was reading his autobiography and as he was sharing his life, he got up to his teenage years and he was sharing his conversion, his story of faith. And in this paragraph, it read a little bit like this. For me, when I came to know Jesus, it wasn't a light on, light off switch. It was more like a sunrise where the sun rose upon the day and I realized that it was daytime. And I wonder if um, that would encourage some of you guys today who have been in that space as well, wrestling with, oh, I don't have a testimony, I don't have anything to share. But God has been at work for years in generations past, perhaps, and maybe that would be your story today. I wanna encourage you today and ask this question, what is your testimony? And what is God reminding you of this morning for God's grace that has indeed saved you? But the passage goes on and uh, it explains a beautiful unity that is available by God's grace. Let's read on from verse 11. It says, therefore, remember, that formerly you who were Gentiles by birth called the uncircumcised by those who call them the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now... In Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You who were once far away have now been brought near by the blood of Christ. Hey, hands up. Anyone Jews, you know, Jewish, you know, sort of uh, ancestry in the house? Anyone? Anyone? Amazing. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Everyone else. I would hope that you are thankful for Paul writing this passage. For once you who were once far off have now been brought near. Because what he's trying to say here is there were a people of God. You guys know the, the, the covenant people of God of the Old Testament from Abraham all the way through eventually to, uh, um, to David. I mean, he has just all these covenants that God has spoken forth speaking forth a promise that would come in His Son, Jesus. And now Jesus, through His grace, has provided, and His blood poured out, has provided a space for all of us now to be welcomed in. And it doesn't seem as radical because there's only three people who put their hands up today. But this is radical for the early church. This is really interesting because there was a clear division in the church. And as I look around the church today, I don't necessarily see a, a Jewish and a Gentile split, although perhaps there is. I see some other divisions. Firstly, I see a political division, you know, particularly in the United States, but here as well. Do you not see that there are different churches, different Christians responding differently to wherever their political allegiance stands, wouldn't it be amazing if River Life Baptist Church would be united despite our political stances? Wouldn't that be incredible to see? Secondly, I see a racial division in the Western church. 
still today. There seems to be spots and places throughout the Western church where in order to attend or in order to be a part of a church, there seems to be a racial division. Did you know that in Acts chapter 11, verse 26, there is a profound truth about how Christ unites us in our race, in our coming together, Acts, as Imogen read out before, the Holy Spirit is poured out in Acts chapter 2. From there, it goes on where there's persecution, there's pushing out from Jerusalem and scattering of God's people all around Mesopotamia. And eventually there ends up in Acts 11, this group of people worshipping in Antioch. Now, Antioch is this melting pot of cultures, of trade routes, this, this different races all coming together. And in Acts, tw- uh, Acts 11, 26, it says this, that they were first called Christians in Antioch. Why is this profound? Why is this radical? There was no other word to describe the coming together of different races and different religious backgrounds around this one man called Jesus, that they had to make up this word called Christians. Little Christs coming together despite the colour of our skin around this person. It is because it's God's grace that unites. Amen. Um, I also see this divide, and we see this at this church, I think, where um, economy and our wealth or our um, poverty is something that would divide us. Wouldn't it be amazing that this church would be so united and so in love with one another that we would be radically generous of giving of our finances so that the rich do not get richer and the poor do not get poorer, but all are coming together in this beautiful unity around God. Wouldn't that be amazing, church? And fourthly, I think the the last thing I want to talk about is a generational split in the church of the West. Uh, I think it's amazing that we have different um, sort of separations, I guess, even in this church. We've got a kids ministry that is incredible. Oh my goodness, we have 200 kids (laughs) meeting in those rooms every Sunday to worship God, to find out more about God, to come to salvation. And that is happening even this year, like it's amazing. We've got an incredible youth ministry. We've got a great young adult ministry. We've got um, great sort of, uh, you know, uh, maybe it's generations ministry, maybe. Um, We've got, you know, great, these divisions in the church and we've put them there for a reason so that we can be sort of targeted, so that we can be put in groups and find community in those groups. That's really good. And this is not just this church, across the church. But I wonder, Have we split ourselves up? And have we put a a division between what God is calling us to as the family of God? Because through Jesus' life, through his death, and through his resurrection, all people of all backgrounds, of all ages, of all wealth, of all generations, can come to know 
a saving saviour. Everyone can be united in Christ. And this is only possible by a thing called peace. This is only possible by, in fact, a person of peace. So let's read on from verse 14. It says, He is our peace. He has made the two groups one. He has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law and its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to those who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. So this is only possible through Jesus. Jesus, verse 14 says, is the peace. Jesus is the peace. He is the peacemaker. He's the one who brings this peace. And then verse 15 says that not only is he the peace, he actively makes peace. He is the one making the peace between these two groups. And for for the Ephesians, it was the Jew and the Gentile. And then later on in verse 17, he came to preach peace to those who are far and to those who are near. It's because of Jesus, the one who unites, that two different, very unique people groups or generations or upbringings can come together around Jesus. It is Jesus who is the peace, who makes the peace, who then goes on to preach peace. And perhaps um, we're preaching peace today as well. And you know, unity in the church isn't some warm, fuzzy, lovey-dovey leftist philosophy Unity in the church is who God is. Unity is God. For he exists, our triune God, in what's called a unity in diversity. He is so different. Have you noticed that it's only Jesus who hangs upon the cross? The Father doesn't need to do that. Have you noticed that it is the Holy Spirit who is poured out on all flesh. It's not the Father who's doing that. Do you see that there's, there's difference, there's diversity, even in the God, the triune God that we love and serve. And yet there is absolute, complete unity. And so this unity that I'm talking about isn't some like, oh, let's just, let's just get all cushy and lovey-dovey with one another. Let's just pretend like we're all exactly the same and we all have the exact same preferences No, this is a devotion to one another that is beyond our preferences. And it is because of a grace that unifies. It is a supernatural work. It is not some warm and fuzzy feeling that would unify us. And you see here that he destroys dividing walls and barriers 
He destroys them. Literally for the, for the Jews and the Gentiles, this was a wall in the temple courts. There was a certain place where the women were allowed in. And then there was a certain place where the Gentiles were allowed in. And then there was a certain place where only the Jews and the men were allowed in. And then further, there was only a place where the, the priests were allowed in. And Paul says here, praise God that he would now destroy this dividing wall of what he calls hostility, separating different people out. And he does so in his flesh. He makes two one into one new humanity. Uh, just this last week, as actually Patria mentioned, we had this little course called Emerging Leaders, and all it is is just a very basic discipleship course for about 20 or 30 youth who are serving or who are wanting to grow in their leadership. Maybe they're like the next manager at Macca's and they want to learn some tips and stuff. And so we're teaching them some basic things from a Christian point of view of how they can lead in their schools, in their families, in their workplaces. And last week, we had a beautiful time of prayer. And I've got a few photos up here. I want to show you how different generations were coming together, even just this week, in blessing our younger people. This is Nick Riddell and Jeff War coming in on a Wednesday um, of their, their own time and of their own accord to pray for uh, a young, young kid called Noah. And the next one, um, again, these, these people are giving of their, their time. Um, they're already praying for this church, but they were coming in with a specific reason to, to pray for and to bless the next generation. I think there's one more. And I just love this, that, that these people are coming in to lay down what they have for the next generation. And literally, it is their time and their wisdom. And what really struck me after doing this, just for maybe half an hour, an hour of prayer and of, of maybe a few people talking, I think Dave was having a chat with those guys. The amount of youth who came to me and said, thank you, you have no idea what it was like to hear from some of those people. You would not, you, you would not believe the things that they were saying. Can I, can I find out their details? Can I meet up with them? Can they teach me how to pray? And I was like, wow, that would, that's not the intention for why we did it. But off the back of that, they were so hungry to meet with these older generations. And, um, and I think that there's something to this. And I think that that's what the Lord is probably trying to stir my heart in, is that we have amazing youth ministry. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to brag, but we've got a great ministry. We've got 100 kids out there. We've got 40 young adult leaders who are leading these young people. Amazing, you know, like beautiful things are happening. Salvations, healings. We had about 15 kids get baptised the other week. Amazing. But what we are lacking is wisdom from you guys. And our young adult leaders, maybe some of them, are not being led and discipled by you guys. And uh, I just feel like the Lord would wanna unify the generations in this place so that we would might see a blessing. For the Lord commands a blessing 
when there's unity. And this is what we are, isn't it? We are a family, right? We are a family. We're not just the young people getting all fired up and passionate. No, we're not just the old people um, holding their wisdom to themselves, but we are a family. And I'm telling you, the young people need you. 100% they need you. We need you. Perhaps more than ever, because they're just on their phones and they don't know what they're doing. (laughs) And so we need you. Um, And so I'll get to that, how you guys can help out in in just a moment. The passage goes on and it encourages us towards a grace that builds. In verse 19, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and are also members of His household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus Himself as the chief cornerstone. In Him, that's Christ, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in Him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling which God lives by His Spirit. Um, kids, if you're still in the room, that was one of your passages for the, for the thing. So if you didn't, just go look it up. Um, Ephesians 2, uh, 19. There's your chance. Um, but this is an amazing, amazing portion of Scripture here because it says, previously, the Gentiles, you were outside. You were not able to be a citizen. You were excluded from citizenship. But now... You are a fellow citizen. Praise God. You are no longer a stranger or an alien. You are fellow citizens with the family and the members of the household of God. It is God's grace, His empowering presence, His his Holy Spirit at work because of Jesus and His life, death, His resurrection. It is because of His grace that now we would be able to form one another, I think. You know, young and old, rich and poor, different races coming together into a holy temple, a holy building, the church, the church. And you know, um, just, just to check, this, this church that, that, we are, that we are a part of, this thing called River Life Baptist Church, um, it, is, it is not, I just want to remind you, it is, it is not a $21 million building. Do you guys know that? This is not the, the church. This is a building which God uses where His church may be at work. This is the church. You see that, right? We are, in fact, the church. We are the, the holy people being built together. We are the ones who would be united by His grace to be lifted up, rising up to become a holy temple in the Lord. We are being built together to become a dwelling which He lives. And what I'm wondering is if we have a few missing pieces. If we have a few missing pieces in this church where it's actually a bit of a fight between generations or a bit of a fight between different upbringings, and wouldn't it be amazing 
if God, through his grace, we would be able to unite so that we would be rising up to be a holy temple in the Lord. I was down at my local fruit market at our Rockley Markets the other week, and um, I always go to the same stand. And um, as I walked in, there's this beautiful Samoan guy, like this awesome guy. And I always say, g'day, how you going? He gives me a, a, like a cool handshake because I can't do, you know, you know those ones? Yep. So um, get one of them and uh, how you doing? Like, hope your day is going well. Walk on off. Next week, same spot. He's right in front of the bananas every time. And so like, hey, man, how you doing? Uh, say g'day and, um, you know, see how his family is doing this time because I assume he's got a family. Oh, yeah, family's great. Family's awesome. And, and uh, I think the third time going there, I was saying, hey, how you doing, man? Like, what's going on? Get my bananas. And, and um, I said, hey, mate, like, you're a Christian, right? I can, you can tell. Like, you just, you just you've, something's on you. The Holy Spirit, I don't know, whatever, you're a Christian. And uh, maybe it wasn't a bit of a stab because Samoa's like pretty old, all Christian, right? Like, so, so it probably wasn't the biggest stab in the dark. But um, he said, yeah, I am. And we got talking about church. And I said, I'm a pastor up at that, that church in Centenary. And his church is just down the road. And, and so we got chatting. And, um, and it was awesome just to hear like what God's doing in his church. And um, I was saying, oh, I'm the youth pastor and I'm, I'm working with the youth. And oh, this week, this is coming up. And we were sharing and chatting. And he said, um, oh, yeah, great. Like, oh, why do you do that program? Why do you, why do you have that? Why do you have that thing? And I said, oh, because, you know, all of our young people seem to leave after, um, after school. Uh, they seem to just, whatever, they just get distracted by the world and uni and it's all crazy. And so they just leave. And um, I said, what about, what about you guys in the Samoan church? And he said, uh, no, what are you talking about? Like, I said, well, well, don't you struggle to keep your young people at church? Like, he said, no, what are you talking about? Like, I said, well, well we've got, we have to really fight, I think, and pray for and intercede and, and maybe create great programs and next steps around how to, how to keep our young people. And he said, no, 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 all that we do as a church is for the next generation. We cherish the next generation. We, we pour into them. We, we pray for them. If, if they're not here in the future, there is no Samoan church. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow. Wow, that is, that's awesome to hear. But it rang true in my ears because the Australian church is aging. And if we don't proactively feed into the next generation, and praise God, we are doing it at this church. I just know that God has more for us. But if we don't feed into the next generation, there will be no next generation <laughs> at, at this church. And I know, I, I'm praying and I know that God will sustain us and will do his work. But I'm wondering if we could turn our attention a little bit towards the kids, towards the youth, towards the young adults of this church and uh, we'd be able to feed into them. And I just know you guys have so much to give in this space. And so the missing piece, you know, just like Ikea, when we're out there buying and trying to fix all these things together, Scripture is our instruction for how we might build the church, how we might put these pieces together. Scripture has actually outlined how we are to become a family here at River Life. There's a few key scriptures that I want to just point out. From 1 Corinthians verse 
4, 14, it says this, Paul talking to the church, he says, I am writing this not to shame you. That's really important because maybe I'm preaching here and it feels like shame. I don't want to shame anyone. The young people, the old, no. I'm not writing this to shame you, but to warn you, dear children. Even if you had 10,000 teachers in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. That is Paul writing to the church. And he's saying, no, I wasn't just a teacher. I was your father. I was your father. And I really believe that is still true. We have many amazing teachers here at this church. John, Joe, some life group leaders, incredible teachers here at this church. But we need fathers. We need spiritual fathers who would care, who would love sons and daughters. And in 1 Thessalonians, this is one of the keys for how we are to actually do this. Paul writing again says, Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel, but also our lives. And this is one of the keys. If we are to join together and unite by His grace, River Life Baptist Church, we need to not only teach the gospel and speak out the Word of God, we need a demonstration of what that looks like, a sharing of our lives with the next generation, just as a mother would care for her children. That is what I think God's leading us to. And so when we come to Jesus, really, I mean, He requires all of us, hey? And, uh, and so that's our whole lives, that's our whole time. Thanks for listening to this River Life podcast. Make sure you subscribe to keep up to date with all the latest content. If this podcast has raised any questions for you, contact us via church at riverlifechurch.org.au or through Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening.